want to go live on video but are a bit unsure where to start? Or maybe you already go live a lot but you are scared to sell. Download for free the Live Authentic Storytelling Guide. Six steps to infuse storytelling into your live videos. You'll get practical structure to help you convert your audience from raving fans to loyal customers. Go to www.livestorytellingguide.com and get your free guide today. Over the last five years, Tanya Burl Torres has shifted from her career as an actress, dancer, and singer on Broadway, where I first met her, and into movement direction, choreography, and embodied systems work. Tanya is a trained 500-hour RYT yoga teacher, where I also know her from, and has studied at the Presencing Institute at MIT as a systems change facilitator. She is also certified in trauma-informed yoga and leads workshops for students, public school educators, and companies on embodying change and reclaiming the rights of the body. In this episode, shit got real, y'all. We talked about racism and spiritual circles, leaning into the fire of uncomfortability, how the language of your body can tell you things your mind never could, and the practice of change. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Okay, my friend, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so beyond excited to have you here on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, You know, the moment you mentioned this, I was like, I'm here. So I'm excited. I so appreciate you saying that. Um, You know, obviously I know you, uh, but many of the listeners won't. So why don't you just first tell us who you are, what you do, who you serve, all those kind of really beautiful questions. Yeah, I take a deep breath before I do that. And I also, because you can't see me, I'm going to lean back in my chair a bit. Um, That just reminds me to lean back into the wisdom of not just myself, but my ancestors. And with that, um, I say that I am first and foremost an embodied Black woman. And then under that umbrella, there lives a lot of things. Um, So I'm a mother. I'm a teacher. I am a uh, yoga teacher, um, which now I like to call, um, I teach embodied liberatory practices. I am also a choreographer and a movement director, a dancer, and a systems change facilitator. So I facilitate conversations and, and practices in shifting broken systems, which pick one nowadays, right? <laughs> <laughs> Have your pick. Yeah. Okay. So have your pick. Where would you like to start? Yeah. So, I mean, again, I said an embodied black woman and what's interesting, obviously, is I stand at the intersection of being a woman and being black. And um, as we know in this country, the, the bedrock, the foundation of what this country was built on was a lot of, as we know, stealing and deceit and, and, and robbing of, of people's land and bodies. And so for me, I would start with um, the, the virus of racism, the system of white supremacy. And I, we're going right into it, but this is the work I do. Uh, for me, I like to say white body supremacy because white supremacy, at least when I say it, I think of, oh, those crazy people down there. Absolutely. And not the systems that some of us benefit from and some, some of us don't. 
and how we individually do that. So that is the system that I feel I'm here to dismantle. That's beautiful. And I, I really love your clarification of that because I think that there's for so many of us white folk, there is this awakening that's happening right now, which is beautiful and profound and extremely difficult for us. It, it's like a smack in the face, finally, for many of us. Uh, but I think part of it is because of what you're talking about, of that idea of those people, those white supremacists, those people over there who are racist. I have black friends. <laughs> I have people in my life. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And so we don't like to think of ourselves as benefiting from the system in this way. And, and as you're saying, in, a, in a, an embodied in way. In an embodied way. And thank you for saying um, an awakening because I've been calling this time the great white awakening. Yeah. Like, and so what I'm finding is a lot of, you know, very dear and, you know, beloved white friends will say to me like, um, can you believe or, and I'll be like, yes, mm -hmm. yes, I can. Yes, I've known this. And I have a PhD in this. Um, <laughs> my body has a PhD. Uh, so what I'm witnessing is this great white awakening. And what I have to find within myself is rest, is stillness and, and a, a, a compassion for this being the beginning of a journey for many people and a long journey. Um, but one that is well worth it because everyone is bamboozled by this system um, of white supremacy. No one wins. And particularly think speaking spirituality, spiritual wise, um, we're all being robbed. So, so yeah, the great white awakening. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm in love with mm -hmm. that phrase. And I, I, I might just have to be quoting you on that from now Please on do. because it's, it's really uh, just the truth. And, and, and it's a different level of awakening depending on where you were. Right in the in the in the journey, a friend and I were talking about it the other day, and we were kind of having this moment with, of like, how can our white brothers and sisters, how can our friends that live in New York City, that live in Los Angeles, that like, how could they not have known? Okay, I get it. Like those people, here we are categorizing mm -hmm. people. Those people in the Midwest. Okay, I get that they're having an awakening. Mm -hmm. How could they not have known? Like these liberal friends of like, and then there's a part of me that's like, oh, but. Look what you didn't know. Mm. Look what you're learning mm. right now. Mm -hmm. Look how you've been complicit. Turn the mirror and look at it and look at your own way that you have participated in this atrocity. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is like, so when we, if we're going to split the country, which, which feels weird, or think of like them versus us, yeah. a lot of the times they are the ones who are really loud with their supremacy. And so we would think that, well, I'm polite and quiet with my supremacy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I keep mine, mine is more gentle, which actually is more deadly, I believe, because at least I can see a screaming, burning, flaming cross. <laughs> I, I mean, just let's keep it 100% real. Um, but I cannot see what's happening when it's tucked away neat and tight. Um, and that's the kind of white supremacy that I am interested in um, abolishing. And in my classes that I've been teaching, um, I put something out on social media last week, like for the foreseeable future, any yoga class that I teach will be for the dismantling of white supremacy in wellness spaces. And for me, this is the type, this is the subtle as within, as without, so within kind of dismantling. And I, what I said at the end of the class was, 
you know, if you're coming to my class, you're here to be a spiritual abolitionist. Like this is, we are abolishing stuff here. So if, if you're here to like take a deep breath and feel good, like I'm not the teacher for you, you will feel good. You will feel, but you'll feel a lot. And, and we're, we're doing some, some deep work, some, some abolitionist work. I, this is some deep shadow work. Yep. This is some deep, deep work of, you know, it's not all love and light. That's right. As much as we like to be like, oh, kumbaya, love and light, the yoga world or the theater world, because we're both from both of those backgrounds, they, they are all just a reflection of the universe as a whole. That's right. They're all a piece of the big whole. And there, there is as much systemic racism in the yoga community or the theater world as there is in the entire rest of the world. That's right. And if anything... For me, so I've also been teaching a lot about how to take a view from the margins. So because I stand, and again, I'm not one of the most vulnerable among us. I want to make sure that I say as we have this conversation, like, you know, at the end of the day, we're talking about police brutality. We're talking about defunding the police. We're talking about like, like I, yes, I am in a black body, but there are black bodies that are on the line right now. And so I want to speak to that for sure. And also say that as the trickle down and trickle out happens, in the yoga world and in the theater world, I've always been on the margin. I've always been standing on the perimeter. And so with that, I've been able to get an education of how the system works because I've watched it move from the outside. When you're on the inside and at the center of it, you don't, you have so many blind spots. You, you don't know. But for me now, I'm like, oh, all of this, what has felt like like I've never felt fully included in the yoga world. I've never felt, felt fully included in the theater world. But because of that feeling of not belonging, now I have nothing to lose. So dismantling it is like, oh, let's go. Like for me, everyone who's like, ah, ah, all the stuff that I held on to for so long, I have to let go of. I'm like, oh, I never had a grasp of it because it never was mine. Mm. Mm, that, I, that, that, that just hit me. Mm. Yeah, that's really incredible that have never felt like it was yours. Mm -hmm. And I am sorry for that because I've been a part of both of those communities. Neither one of them are mine, quote unquote. However, I've been a part of that and been with you in both of those communities in various ways. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I feel, um, yeah, I just feel like in this, I don't know what else to say other than crazy time, but it's like, this 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 time of fire like you think of James Baldwin in the fire next time like like the, this time of fire that's happening right now I've had a fire in my spirit and in my heart particularly in my heart space since the beginning of this quarantine and I tried to label that fire as all these different different things maybe it's anxiety maybe it's this maybe it's that and I'm realizing now that I'm starting to feel and live ahimsa I'm starting to feel and live nonviolence what it feels like to take in what hurts transform it refine it and put it back out as love so like I can speak of these hard times because they're fuel like it all is fueling this fire um where before it would be like oh I don't you know I've looked to belong in a place and now I'm realizing my belonging is me my belonging is in me and then wherever I go I belong because I'm there <laughs> That is so good, friend. Yep. That is so good. Because no matter what then, yep. this is this is the work, right? No matter what then, no matter what the external circumstance is, 
that you know that you belong within yourself, within your own being, within the own, within the vessel in which you walk the earth. Yep. No matter what anybody else has to say. That's right. And, and do think. Yes. Yes. And, and so this has been a huge awakening for me this time of COVID and now the double pandemic, as we're, as I'm calling it, COVID and racism um, in America is like, now that's why I can step into the fire. I can step into these places. And I said this last week in my class and I will not be consumed. I can step in the fire and I will not be consumed. I can step into these places where white supremacy might reign supreme. And why am I not scared? Cause I know I will not be consumed. And so, yeah, th- that's why I can say that I can hold both fury and rage at the time, because not only is it racism that's killing black bodies, but it, you know, COVID's killing a mass majority of black bodies. So we've got this double pandemic and, and our, our shadow, like you said, our shadow work or the shadow side of our nation is just flying to the surface for everyone to see. And in it, I can still somehow remain, you know, stand my ground. I can stand my ground. I can keep my heart wide open, at least for today. I say it day, day by day, but <laughs> that's how it feels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're right about the shadow being so illuminated right now. There's a quote that I love. It's a, I, I actually posted it on social. It's a Jean Jardot quote from a play, The Mad Woman of Chaillot. Sadness flies on the wings of the morning, and out of the heart of darkness comes the light. That's it. But you have to reach the darkness, the full darkness. You have to go in in order to have the transformation. You can't go, you can't have transformation without fire. That's right. Right? It's not possible. So when I'm watching and hearing and seeing friends, acquaintances flip out about what's happening, mm. lean in. That's it. That's it. And, and I yes and that to say, lean into the fire. And I've been teaching for the past few years about lean back into the wisdom. Like I said, how I, in the beginning, when you asked how I am, lean back because the wisdom is behind you. We're so scared to look back because that's where our blind spot is. That's where our unconscious bias is. That's where all the, the, that's where the shadow is. Like, I don't need to look back there. But if you lean back into it, that's, I think we're all the good, that's where there's so much information if you're willing to go there. And to echo your quote, um, I've been saying the scripture, which of course, I don't remember exactly where it's found in the Bible, but that it says suffering may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And this idea of a night, not necessarily being a night's sleep, but a dark night of the soul. How long will that night, it will only last so long. And on the other side is joy and joy is so much better than happiness or success or like joy just encompasses it all. So yeah, it's like lean into it. It's worth it. Yeah. I love that you get the hero's journey reference. That's so (laughs) awesome. Dark night of the soul. It's so good. Yeah. So good. Yep. So talk to me about your um, embodying change series. Like how do you, how, how, how do you, approach as a yoga teacher yoga in this way yeah so I'm one of those people that I have a really hard time with titles so I was like I'm a yoga teacher but I'm not really a yoga teacher I'm a like I'm a Christian but not like a Christian like you know what I mean like (laughs) 
I'm only, I'm giggling only because I can so relate because I, I don't know if you know, it took me almost 10 years to admit that I was a yoga teacher. Yeah, yeah because there's so much that goes with it, comes along with that. It never felt like the right clothing to me. It never no. felt like the right suit. No, no, no. And that's why I liked this phrase embodying change because I, full disclosure is I, my whole life growing up as a child, like I do not do well with change. I don't like it. I don't like when someone switches stuff. It's not, I think it's interesting that we, we go into a lot of the time, the work that we actually need to do the most for ourselves. Like the work that we're drawn to is what we need to do most for ourselves. So I say that with full humility that I'm not this like change guru. Like I don't, (laughs) I, it's not like I was like, I'm great at it. So I'm going to do it. It's actually, I'm terrible at it. And so I'm going to make it my life's practice and my life's work. What I realized was that my entire life, you know, I didn't get a post-secondary education, everything that I've done, making it to Broadway, owning a home, the things that I've done in my life, everything has been through trial and error and through trying it on. And and so whenever I meet people or they introduce me, you know, you learn a lot about yourself when someone else introduces you, you know, and it's like, I realized that I've always been this Renaissance woman who just figured it out as I went and kept my eyes open and paid attention and was willing to adapt. So that's where this embodying change came from. And what I was realizing is when I taught yoga, again, because I didn't feel like I belonged in yoga as it was necessarily presented to me, I had to figure out a way um, to speak the language without, I honor the language, speak the language of yoga, but also allow it to, to fit to, you know, on this black girl's body, woman's body. Um, so embodying change is really about leading with curiosity and sourcing the question first. And that happens a lot of ways, but a lot of it happens through intuitive movement. And I guide people through this individually, but also in group forms. And it's really powerful because instead of leading with thought or leading with a story like, oh, I'm feeling this way. And so when we put labels on it, it's a guiding into like intuitively, where are you stuck? Where do you find the question? Lean into that and then allow what's next to emerge out of there. And when you can watch a body do that without words, at least I get a lot more information than if someone told me something filtered through their, their mind. I can see where they're stuck by looking at their body. And so that can happen through a sequence of asana, but I actually find an asana being a sequence of postures in yoga, but I actually find it more in um, spontaneous movement and kind of dissecting from there. Okay, there's a couple things that I want to address in there. Yeah. One is, to me, that sounds like true yoga in the sense of it not needing to fit a certain way, a certain clothing, a certain way of being, that the yogi, the path of the yogi is self-actualization. So it's going to look different on you than it's going to look different on me, than it's going to look different on another friend of ours or a stranger. And the embodiment of that is that's the nectar, that's the juice, that's the beauty, that's the that's the that's your heart shining. I was just thinking as you were speaking how much I wish people could see us right now. <laughs> because when we're talking about embodiment, I mean I'm using so much of my body to explain and I just thought because I used a lot of words to explain that, like a very simple example of that would be um if someone came to me and said, I'm having a hard time making a decision um, and I feel like I'm all over the place and I just keep talking myself in circles. And instead of me taking them through a series of like, do what my body does, 
I would perhaps invite them to feel into the back of their body, particularly the back of their shoulder blades, um, neck and head. And like that part was being lit up and way more magnified than the rest of the body. And then if they lean into that, what happens to the front? And usually what would happen is the chin starts to drop towards the chest slightly and the shoulders widen from the back. And as the shoulders, as the attention goes to the back, the front has the ability, the front of the heart has an ability to soften because you're paying attention to the back and not putting everything on the front. And then using the breath to breathe into that space and then speaking from there. So it's a little bit more intuitive in terms of when I hear people say something that they're stuck with, I can start to think, where would that be in the body? And as you start to illuminate where that is in the body, then that part of the body can speak instead of the head and the mind speaking. It's like speak from the position of the body. And that to me, um, I gain a lot more information. And then, you know, obviously, as you know, then we're off, like then spirits off and it's like instant magic happens. But um, that's, a nugget of how I like to work uh, with people. That was incredible. And I just, as you described it, I'm sure you, you saw me, but they can't see that Mm -hmm. I leaned into that and tried it on and allowed it to take me. Mm. Gorgeous. I want to address racism in spiritual circles Mm. and the feeling Mm of oppression. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> now we're there. Okay. So I, the fe- so exactly what I just led you through as soon as you said, and the feeling my body went bloop. Um, because as we both know, trauma lives in the body. Um, and so my body knows it from what's inherent with what I've inherited from generational trauma, but it also knows it from very personal experiences and and firsthand experiences in the yoga community and all done with, I have to say every moment of this was not what anyone would call blatant racism. It's usually microaggressions and spiritual bypassing. That is the most painful. So whenever a yoga, usually sister of mine says something that jumps to love and light, when I maybe say something from my experience of, felt in my body and how I feel yoga through deep pain and mourning and darkness. And then it is answered with skipping to love and light. That is what racism feels like in the yoga space. Mm. Yeah, that's nice, but I don't have time for that. We're, we're going, we're going, we're going higher. And what I'm realizing through that my yoga practice is that my spirituality lives in my body. I experience God in my body, not from escaping my body. And I'm also realizing that I'm getting way deeper of a connection to my ancestors by my spirituality being in my body, because that is what has been co-opted. When Africans and West Africa West Africans were brought on slave ships 400 plus 401 years ago, their spirituality, their earth-based spirituality was stripped and was traded for a high in the sky God up there. And so every time I reclaim understanding God in my body and is met with, no, the right way is to fly up here, that is inherently racist. And it's inherently, and unless we're having that conversation, you know, people would think, well, that's crazy. But, you know, the tiniest microaggressions, 
you know, a reflection of me sharing my spirituality being dark, right? Literally and, and metaphysically. And someone to say, oh, well, that's kind of harsh or that's whatever. Like any comment that is inherently racist and it feels to me like microaggressions feel like little chips at my heart, like little, little tiny jabs at my heart. And actually amazing story to link me and you is that when we were in Tulum all those years ago, Mm -hmm. And I got a massage from one of the shamans who worked at the resort or at the beautiful place that we were. And afterwards I went out and I just was like, thank you so much. And I just like bawled in his arms for, I don't know how long. And he said to me, your heart is closed and it's like begging to be opened. Or he said something like that. And at the time I was like, how do I do that? And I'm starting to realize that was my shield and my protection. And now the more I'm strengthening in my back and I'm finding my spiritual strength in my spine, literally, right, in, in you know, Kundalini rising and descending in my spine, the more I can open my heart because I know that my back is strong. But, yeah, that's the feeling of racism in wellness spaces. It's also the feeling is doubt when I doubt my experiences when I have to look to a white body to validate my experience, that is, that all is what it feels like. And how do you now as a black leader, Mm -hmm. how do you help others in body? Mm. Awesome question. So one way that I'm doing this intentionally is that um, in the classes that I teach for the most part, unless it's a workshop, so I, like I recently did an embodying change workshop for women of color specifically, and that's a whole other game when I do that because the healing's like pew, because we we can just start like <laughs> there's no explaining. It's like we just go. But in classes where it's for everyone, I um, explicitly say that I'm here to liberate the black bodies in the space, and everyone else. Me and my sister came up with this hashtag. You're welcome. <laughs> it's like when we liberate the oppressed everyone gets free and the way I've been saying it is like in yoga we speak of ignorance to bliss and I've been reframing it um oppression and spirituality if you do not work for the marginalized and to get the oppressed free then you do not get your spirituality it just anything that you have is a watered down version of the truth and so like to me if you're showing up to classes and you're in a white body and you're there to liberate the black and brown bodies in the space then you are also by nature going to get free as well. And so that's how, um, that's, and that, this is a, this is a newer revelation of mine. This is kind of like a, I mean, I've always known this, but to just say it so blatantly and it feels so good. And, and like you said, now's the time where I have the platform and I can say that and seeing the white bodies that are rising to the occasion, it is incredible. Like protesting, we, we, we went to one, last Sunday and to see all of these enraged white bodies is a sight to behold, I have to say. And so um, I'm, I'm hopeful. I mean, there's a lot of work and I'm praying that burnout and once people get back to life, whenever they do, that this doesn't relax because, you know, we've got a lot of work to do and a lot, a long way to go. But um, yeah, that's how I, that's how I open up my classes. And, and when I, when I'm leading in a space. You've had a platform and now 
you have this time that is specifically for you. How does that feel? So my intention for 2020, my 2020 vision this year was to show up unapologetically black. And then COVID happened and I had a lot, we have a lot of time to like reflect and I mean, I am being a full-time teacher right now to my first grader and have a baby at home as well. But in the free time outside of that, time to reflect on what does that even mean unapologetically black? Uh, Because obviously being black is not a monolith and I don't speak for all black people as I speak to you, but I started to realize that it really means being unapologetically me. And then I was like, oh, okay, well then I'm going to need some help. And so my intention very quickly turned to how can I increase my capacity to hold the fullness of who I am? And that prayer or that intention is what has allowed me to step into the platforms that are now looking to lift me up. Because otherwise, if you would have asked me in January, in December, I would, my, I did not have the capacity to receive. I did not have the capacity to receive all the good that's coming my way. Um, but now, and as I'm speaking, that heart fire I was talking about, my heart's like, <laughs> and again, I'm learning to live with it because I don't think it will ever go away. And I hope it actually doesn't, doesn't ever go away. It's, it's like my, when you said, what, what makes your heart sing? Mm-hmm. It's made, it's singing. So yeah, so that is how I feel like I'm able to, is that I'm learning to step in unapologetically myself and to increase the capacity um, of the goodness that I can hold. I want to talk a bit about money. Yeah. This This is a subject that nobody likes to talk about, no matter what your color is. Nobody likes to talk about money publicly. Nobody likes to address the big, fat elephant sitting in the middle of the, the Ganesha sitting in the middle of the room. (laughs) (laughs) This obstacle (laughs) in the middle of the room. That Ganesha in the room. Yes. How do we even begin? How do we even begin to address the socioeconomics of, of race? Oh man. Okay. So this is, this is, this is a touchy one for me, but um, as I said to you, I was watching Oprah's town hall of where do we go from here? And I'm going to blank right now on her name, but the woman who created the 1619 project for the New York times, which is please listen to that podcast. If you haven't, it is brilliant. And she breaks down the the racial wealth gap. It's a hard conversation for me because honestly, when I go places and I see the generational wealth and when friends, I see in friends, the generational wealth. And then I think of how my ancestors built this country and have the generational wealth is not there. That actually maybe breaks my heart the most. I find that it is a, it's my duty to really do the self inventory and exploration of what is my worth and what am I worth and beyond a dollar amount because as I've been sitting with this and of course always let's talk dollars but I have been sitting with this idea of whenever someone puts a price tag on what they think I'm worth 
it almost cheapens the deal. And so I'm having to start to zoom out and think like power, like what is your position of power? How can you share that? What is, what do you have to leverage in terms of your success and your reach? How can you share that with me? Like, and how can you also pay me? So beyond like, here's some money for your services. How can you help leverage my voice and leverage my platform um, has been the question that I've been saying. And so that's an answer maybe more for me personally, but I feel like for black people in America in general, reparations, like show us the money. There is no way we will close the gap, the racial wealth gap. There's, it's impossible unless there's some kind of, of payback. Um, and I believe strongly in that. Um, and I do also believe that like, if you are for black power, uh, my friend Chan Rosencrantz said this to me the other day, you cannot be for black power if you are not for black wealth. And so I'm learning now when someone asks me to do something like two years ago, the wisdom that I had, of course, was relevant right now that that dollar just went like what I have to say is going to go from <laughs> it's going to make you from irrelevant to like relevant and flourishing with this with small bits of information that I hold from standing at the margin. So um really sitting in that and in the discomfort of that, that's maybe my discomfort to sit in is to hold space for that and to not be wavered to hold space for your worth for your worth and to know it and i've always known the worth of black people i've always known we are woo we are diamonds and woo we are resilient i've always known this and right now this is a time to really lean into that worth and to, to demand really i'm not even going to say ask to, to demand um, what we deserve. Before we came on, we were talking about how you're getting lots of asks right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I asked you what makes your heart sing. Mm. How do you know what makes your heart sing? Mm. So I definitely believe that it is in breath and pause and deep listening and the three go hand in hand. Like if I'm going, 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 I can't pause to feel that heart. Like to me, my signal is that heart fire. So when the heart fire goes off, I'm like, Oh, I'm in the right direction. But this week with the amount of calls and asks, and of course, beautiful that's coming in and I'm on my phone and I'm if I don't stop, pause, get still, take a breath, feel my back and then go, Oh, there's the heart thing. Okay. Um, and now when I look back on some of the conversations I've had, I'm like, there was no heart fire. <laughs> so as, as you're like, as you're helping me, as we're going through this podcast, cause I'm thinking, Oh, that's another thing that's beautiful about how do you know is reflection. And that same idea of looking back, if I reflect over the week. So it's almost like, learning to listen to people's ask and then saying, let me have a week to think about that. That also is something fairly new. And as a woman and even more in the theater realm, a black woman in theater, like in theater, if they call you, if Broadway calls and gives you an offer, there is no taking a week to think about that. Like, yes, yes. Like we are, (laughs) yes. And thank you. Right. 
You're, you're trained to say yes and thank you very oh, much. yeah. No thank questions you very asked. Much. No question. And if you ask a question, you because oh, I don't want it to go away. I might lose that. I might lose it. It might go to the next person on the line. And so this is the relearning, the remembering of just me reflecting on the week so far and on the conversations that made my heart sing and maybe didn't as much. That's the only thing that helped me to make that decision of what makes my heart sing. If I was to make the, I cannot make it in the moment on the call, on the phone. It just wouldn't be there. Nor should you, or should you no. have to, right? No. Absolutely not. Talk a lot about leaning back, right? As you're leaning back, if you could project forward five years, 10 years from now, yeah. what would you like to see? Oh, good. Yeah. So uh, I feel like a picture comes to mind more than anything. And I actually have this picture that I'll share with you that um, a dear friend of mine, Marquetta, who you know as well, um, painted for me. And it's a vision that I had in one of Johanna Bell's yoga classes of black bodies in a spacious place, planting not only food, but also art and yoga and spirituality, like this place where just things are being planted into the ground. And then underneath the ground were ancestors like reaping the fruit of that labor. Also the people who were planting their art and their food and their ideas into the ground, they were, there were tears and the tears were watering the soil, which fed the ancestors. 10 years down the line, to me, it's that I have created a space for that to happen. And I do not, it doesn't, I do not mean if it doesn't need to be a physical space, but a space, a holding of a space where my creativity and others can come and we can cook up ideas and plant them and watch them grow and it to be fully funded. <laughs> Going back to the money, fully funded. Fully, fully funded with no strings attached. (laughs) That's, um, yeah, that's that's a vision to me. That's a beautiful vision. Mm -hmm. And knowing you and having witnessed your evolution and your growth over the last, however, almost 10 years from Memphis. Memphis. From Memphis, (laughs) the musical. Baby, I was a baby. You were a baby to the the yoga mm. trainings that I've been a part of with you and seen you flourish. And as somebody who has been a side teacher, I would say for you, mm. yeah, <laughs> not a primary teacher, a side teacher. Totally. Uh, an accomplice. An accomplice. Look at that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And... It's been a beautiful, beautiful process to watch, witness, be a part of. And I have absolutely no doubt that this vision that you're holding will will come to fruition because it's already coming to fruition. That's right. You're already creating all of that. It's Mm -hmm. already happening. In fact, it's already complete. It's just a matter of this illusion of time allowing it to be in a physical form in whatever shape that takes. I've been um, reprogramming my brain that when someone speaks words over me, especially so powerful, 
that all I have to say is I receive that. I fully receive that. So thank you. I want to thank you for coming and sharing your soul with us, for sharing your wisdom, for, and especially at a time right now when you're in high demand. And I know what the high demand times are like. And now you do, which I'm so <laughs> freaking excited about that you are experiencing this right now because nobody is as has has worked as hard has been mm-hmm. as open and ready for this moment and i um i want to honor you and thank you so much for spending your time with me today uh so very very thank much you. anytime anytime and uh you know i'm just as proud of you and you've always showed me how to just again heart open and go towards charge towards what what makes your heart sing and so you know you're you're a great example of that and i'm going to keep going any final words anything else that you would like to share with us anything that we missed in this 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 very brief and yet amazing conversation yeah it's been it's been so fortifying for me i've been also making sure that i say yes to things that allow me to inform but also refuel me like this is true, truly feels um, reciprocal, like reciprocity in this process. And I feel like this feels really full circle. It feels good to me. And um, just thank you for going there with these questions and not tiptoeing around, especially the question and the um, the topic of race in yoga. Uh, I'm just so glad that you just dove right in today. So thank you. Well, we've been tiptoeing for too long. Yeah. And I've witnessed it for too long yeah, and hadn't really used my platform to talk about it. Mm. And so I wanted to do that today with that. So you, a long time ago, uh, did a podcast series of your own and you asked me a final question. And since then I have used that question many, many times in many interviews, including the documentary that I'm making. So I'm going to flip the question back to you. Fill in the phrase. Oh, so good. Okay. Fill in the phrase. I am. I am becoming. Beautiful. I am becoming. Thank you so much. I just adore you. Thank you. So how can everyone find you? Yeah. So please uh, follow me on Instagram at so humanity so humanity um, as well as so humanity.com and there's a lot of stuff to explore there so i look forward to um, engaging with you and we'll put that in the show notes so if you can click right on it below thank you i truly am grateful for your time your energy and your beautiful spirit thank you i received that thank you as well so much love so much love to you thank you so much nick If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a review so other solopreneurs like yourself can find us.